After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is Jeff Watanabe, founding partner of Watanabe Ng and Komeji. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Jeff Watanabe. Welcome to our show, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So you um, are a part or a founding partner of Watanabe Ing and Komeji. Could you tell us a little bit more about your involvement with that company currently? Sure. Uh, when many of us came back from law school back in the late 60s, which for both of you must sound like somewhere around the Civil War, um, um, many of us came back as lawyers and we decided we were going to start careers in the private sector. Uh, at that time, there were five large firms that were well-established in Hawaii, um, and there were also five large companies uh, that ran pretty much uh, the commercial life of the islands. And so when we started uh, our firm, we decided we had to be a little bit different than the than our competitors. And so we, a few of us, all young, I think the eldest partner was maybe 27 or 28 when we started our firm. Uh, but ignorance is bliss. You know, if you don't know very much about what you're doing, you're much more willing to try it. Um, so we started the firm back in, in 1970, and it's been going on ever since. And why didn't you just join a larger firm instead of starting your own company? Well, it's interesting. I think part of it has to do with something that's happening in Hawaii today, which is a generational change, where people are um, a little bit more apt to try something different. I think in the 60s, in the late 60s particularly, we had a lot of different things going on. Number one was the economy in Hawaii was changing. The second thing that was happening on, an, on a national level was, frankly, Kennedy. John Kennedy gave a whole different view about what young people could do. And so all of us, many of whom had offers to work for the larger firms, decided we didn't need to do that and we could break out on our own. Was it hard for you guys? Because that means you were the sixth law firm in Hawaii. Well, we weren't the sixth law firm in Hawaii, but our competitors were the large five law firms. There were other law firms uh, in addition to ours, but ours was certainly the youngest. Uh, and we uh, headed off really not knowing too much about what we were doing and ended up having to do everything for the first time, probably not unlike what young people go through today in a changing world. So how did you compete? How did you learn? How did you guys build your business if you were kind of brand new? Well, we sort of decided that where we needed to be was where they weren't, frankly. Um, in the 1960s, uh, one very important phenomenon that was occurring is prior to, prior to the 60s and into the 50s and, and actually to the turn of the century, the same people who had political power also had economic power. The two were joined. Thanks to the Burns Revolution and the Democratic Party Revolution that occurred in the 50s, by the time we came back in the mid-60s and late-60s, 
economic and political power were beginning to diverge. And um, so one thing we decided was, you know, when, when, you, when you're at a law firm and your client has both economic and political power, you just need to be like they are, and that works quite well. We were newcomers, came to the market, looked around in the market, realized that we were at a distinct disadvantage with our competitors, but we also noticed the fact that the political power in, in Hawaii and the economic power were beginning to split. And so many of us were very active in politics. And that ultimately drove a relationship with the capitalists. Capitalists are pretty simple people. You know, when they want something that they don't have, they go out and buy it. And uh, the practice of law is probably not too different than that. So after deciding that you wanted to start your business, where did you folks go from there? I mean, straight out of law school, where did you get your funding? And, you know, how soon did it really open and start from the idea? Well, it starts like anything else, like anything young people do even today. It starts with a lot of very, very hard work. Um, and it also means that, you know, when you're younger, the basic problem you have is not your willingness to work because you're willing to work a lot harder than, than the old guys. The difference tends to be that you can't prioritize the size of your problem so that if you if you're an experienced person and there are and you see 10 different issues, you can kind of tell, well, issue number three is going to be important. That's where I'm going to spend my time working. When you're younger and inexperienced, you don't have that luxury. Well, what you do to make up for that is you attack all 10 issues as if they are the most important issues. So you basically outwork the other party. And that's basically what we did. It came really out of, to some degree, out of ignorance of not being able to prioritize the size of problems, and so we attacked each one, you know, with 110%. And you keep doing that, and pretty soon people don't want to go to trial with you. They don't want to be on the other side of you because you make them work too hard. Um, and, and so you develop a reputation really out of that kind of phenomenon. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Howdy sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Jeff Watanabe, founding partner of Watanabe Ng and Komeji. After you started your business with Watanabe Ng and Komeji, when was it or what was your involvement in politics? Well, I had worked for um, Danny Noe uh, while I was in law school, and so I had some um, involvement uh, with with his office and with uh, with political campaigns that the senator had, um, and then when I came back, um, we 
the law firm that we formed um, came out of an older law firm that had been made up of, among other people, uh, Bert Kobayashi Sr., who was a former attorney general and then became uh, justice on the Supreme Court, who uh, was a real giant in our in our industry, and Governor Ayoshi, who was then a young senator who decided that he was going to become lieutenant governor to Jack Burns. Um, and so th- those political connections uh, continued uh, throughout pretty much our professional lives and continue to today. In fact, I just had lunch with Governor Ayoshi and... and um, he and Senator Inouye have been mentors of mine for longer than they or I would like to admit. So how does a young person get mentors like that? I mean, these guys are icons in Hawaii's history now. How how would a 20-something-year-old or a 30-something-year-old get mentors like that? Well, if I were a cynic, what I would tell you, um, Evan, is that, you know, if somebody comes and asks your advice often enough, you come to the conclusion that that person must be brilliant because he's asking the right person. The, the, joking aside, the reality is that mentorship can, can occur very easily. Uh, you'd be surprised if you called somebody, whoever it was, whether it's a former governor or a former senator or somebody in business, and said you were interested in, in what they had to say, the large majority of them, I think, would spend time telling you that. And, and you'd develop a relationship with them, I think. Mm-hmm. A lot of them actually have been real supportive, especially in this type of show and in our format. Exactly. So where did it go from there? How much nonprofit um, activities were you doing? Because we look at your resume and it's 20 boards yeah, plus right. your your business. I mean, right. and you family. Took, yeah, family. You take one hour per each. I mean, you've got a full work week. Yeah, that's true. Um, maybe a, a little bit about telling you how my experience in the nonprofit world started and it, it's it's not also as altruistic as my, one might um, view initially um, my first involvement with nonprofit activities really came because I was asked as many things happen in Hawaii in business particularly particularly in the service industry is somebody asked me to do something that I couldn't say no to I couldn't say no to the person more than I couldn't say no to the activity. Um, and in this case, it was a it, it involved a a, um, a client I had that had a very serious real estate problem, and I had to go to the real estate commission and ask the real estate commission for help in trying to get this this party out of this trouble. And, and they were very helpful. Uh, a month or so later, a member of the real estate commission called me up and said. You know, Jeff, they're looking for a um, a board member on uh, for Child and Family Service, which is Hawaii's largest and oldest social service agency. Um, I would really appreciate it if you would consider going on to that board. Okay, all of us know local style. If somebody helps you and then asks you for a favor, you're not you're not going to say no uh, very willingly. And so I said, sure. You know, I'll go take a look at it. And I got involved in it. And what I found, interestingly enough, and this would, would have been back in the early 70s, was that there were very few lawyers that were involved in community nonprofit work. And not only that, but that the board was made up of a lot of business folks who I would never have had a chance to associate with as a young lawyer. Um, How old were you? Ah, oh, Let's see. I would have been 27 or 28 probably. Um, and so I got involved, and what I found was that I, I 
all of a sudden became associated with a lot of people who were very helpful to me in my career and who I got to know and got to know me. Um, and then pretty soon you get hooked on that stuff, right? You realize that you're making a difference in a community. Uh, most of us come back to Hawaii not only for the weather and because of family, but because we can make a difference in this kind of community. Um, much different than Los Angeles or New York or Chicago where you can go all of your life pressing buttons in the hope that some light is going to go on because of what you did. And maybe if you're really lucky, one or two might go on. In Hawaii, the real value, I think, of our community in terms of being able to do nonprofit work or be able to be involved in the building of social capital is you press a button in our community and I guarantee you a light will go on and you'll see it. And that's a very gratifying process. Um, so many of us who have had opportunities and offers to go back to the mainland to head larger organizations, uh, when you really think about it, you don't do it. And part of the reason is because here you can make a real difference and you can make it uh, a difference in a fairly short period of time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek Work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Jeff Watanabe, founding partner of Watanabe Ng and Komeji, and chairman of the board for Hawaiian Electric Industries. So, Jeff, before break, you were telling us a little bit about your first involvement at about 27, 28 years of age on your first board. Could you continue telling us about how you got introduced to the non-service, uh, non-profit service industries? Sure. If you get involved with an organization like Child and Family Service, which is kind of a womb-to-tomb kind of an organization, they have everything from an adoption agency to to um, uh, program for the aged, um, you realize um, that not everybody's on the same playing field in Hawaii and that we're all connected. Uh, and uh, doing work with Child and Family Service, being on the board, I eventually became chairman of the board. Um, you meet wonderful people. You get to see things in our community that, that you might not otherwise see. And you have a chance uh, to make a difference. And so... And that leads to other things. It leads to, for instance, I'll give you an example. The the, the head of the um, Child and Family Service while I was chair was P Patty Lyons, uh, who was, has had a distinguished career in the social services. She later became the president and CEO of the Consuelo Foundation, which I now chair. So I've been working for Patty for probably 30 years in one way or the other. So because everything's connected, you get involved in other kinds of activities. Um, it's also true that if you're going to be sitting on any kind of for-profit board, that one of the qualifications, I think, for particularly in Hawaii, for doing that is also having a, a nonprofit reach. And uh, so the both build on each other. 
there are very few members of Hawaii's uh, public, particularly public company boards, but also private boards that don't also involve themselves in community activity. Do you think some of that is because they have to, or do you think most of them get involved because they want to? Yeah, I think it's a combination. Um, you know, I have a I have a spouse, a Lynn, who's very very active as a volunteer in the community. She does it because she wants to. Um, in in the case of business people, and I won't speak for other people, I should just speak for myself. I think some of it is because in the service industry, if somebody who is a, a large client asks you to do something, you're much more inclined to do it. Um, you know, I I kid around when I say this, but if a if a client calls me up and I um, hook into my computer system and I realize that the client, this client has paid me a lot of money over the last year in fees and he happens to mention the fact that he's concerned about the welfare of Koreans in northern New Jersey, I'm likely to be concerned about the welfare of Koreans in northern New Jersey too. <laughs> so, you know, it, it works out. You know, you mentioned as sitting on the board um, for these for-profit organizations, you have a conscience or, you know, you talk about what you can do for the nonprofit sector. Could you give an example of how the relationship is between the for-profit and nonprofit organizations and how it would help each other? Sure. I mean, for one thing, here in Hawaii, you have a very concentrated group of companies, of organizations that are all actively involved in helping community causes. Uh, but I'll give you a little bit more of a, a little bit more bizarre example of how these things work sometimes. I was hired years ago um, to represent a group that was interested in investing in a cable television company, which today is Oceanic Cablevision. Uh, the organization that hired me was a group, was a nonprofit out of New York that did children's programming and were looking for sources, revenue, revenue sources for their activities. Over the last 30 years, Oceanic has become a huge success. There was a lot of money made when Oceanic was sold to Time Warner. The, my client was the Children's Television Workshop, which produces Sesame Street, which is a nonprofit organization. The money they made off of Oce the Oceanic sale became the basis of their endowment, which today drives a very, very large international uh, television educational programming effort. And I uh, continue to sit on the Oceanic board, and I've also now been on the Sesame Street board for probably 20, close to 20 years. So there's a close association in many times, many places where you wouldn't expect it between uh, for-profit and non-profit activities, especially in a community like ours. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Neptune Ice, we're feeling fine. We're staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptune Ice, the sunshine in your mouth. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? 
Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Jeff Watanabe, founding partner of Watanabe Ng and Komeji. Jeff also is the chairman of the board for Hawaiian Electric Industries. Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about the Consuelo Foundation? Because I hadn't heard of it until I had recently spoke with you earlier. Sure. It's a, it's a very unique uh, organization. Uh, I mentioned earlier that um, I had chaired the board of Child and Family Service. Uh, during that period of time, we um, we used to do a lot of adoptions from the Philippines. Um, and when President Aquino took office after the, mar- the overturning of the Marcos regime, those adoptions stopped. And Patty Lyons and a group of other people went down to the Philippines and asked them uh, why it had stopped. And, and basically what they said was, look, you know, we're real sensitive to exporting people, especially our children, but... Um, but we trust you guys. We know we've been working with the uh, Child and Family Service for 30 or 40 years, and we, we know you're good people. But I'll tell you what, why don't you guys come over here and start some programs in the Philippines? Um, at the time we were looking at that, we were also very, very well aware that the Filipino population in Hawaii was growing rapidly and that they uh, they would become a major target of nonprofit activities like any other racial or, or ethnic group in Hawaii would become. And we were looking for ways of getting closer linkages with the Filipino community. And so we thought, gee, here's, you know, killing two birds with one stone. We can, we can restart our adoption program. And at the same time, we can, uh, we can start some programs which will link us closer to the Filipino community. And so we began a small street children program uh, with the help of the Philippine government up in a place called Baguio, which is about 200 miles north of Manila, and was really kind of a resort area, we thought. But what had happened over the years is that the mountain tribes around the the Cordillera area um, were coming down to towns like Baguio and bringing large families with them, and the children were having trouble and ending up on the streets. And so then we went into the local Filipino community to try to explain what we were doing, again, with the objective of trying to find more linkages with the uh, uh, Hawaii's Filipinos and asking for funding for this program. A very uh, diminutive woman uh, by the name of Consuelo Zobel Alger heard the presentation and decided that she was going to fund the entire program. Um, It turned out that Consuelo was the wife of Jim Alger, who was a U.S. Army general that she had, she had met in Manila. Her family had come to the Philippines in the 1700s, started out in agriculture but ended up in banking, telecommunications, real estate, you name it. Um, had developed a place called Forbes Park, which was the first Western-style subdivision in Asia, and then built Makati, which is now the financial center of, of the Philippines. And she was so taken by her experience with the street children's program that she decided before she passed away in 1990 that she would start her own foundation 
and contribute all of the fortune that her family had left her um, into the foundation, uh, which is now called the Consuelo Foundation. We, Consuelo Foundation spends about three-quarters of its financial resources each year to the Philippines and another quarter here in Hawaii. So we have programs here and we have uh, headquarters here as well as headquarters in Makati. We have over 100 partners in the Philippines, have programs everywhere from the very north of Luzon up in Ilocos down to down to Mindanao in the south. Um, so it's it's a fairly large uh, large program. Are, are you able to say how large the foundation is? Because I know that when I recently visited Makati, everything was Ayala, the street, the buildings, everything. Before Shop. I went there, I, I you had mentioned I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never heard of it. And when I went there, I was like, who is this Ayala? Yeah, uh, it's you know? it's large. Well, she, you know, um, Consuelo was the uh, actually the great aunt of the current president of Ayala Corporation. It's a family corporation. So she was one of the elder Ayala Ayalas. Um, we were very, very fortunate in, in that um, uh, Mrs. Alger ultimately left her fortune, which depending on the day of valuation, um, is in the $150 million range. She left all of it to the foundation. So what things can we learn from that? You know, she's doing charitable work in Philippines and in Hawaii. And then in Hawaii, we have young people like you know ourselves that are wondering, how do we get involved and how do we make a difference, but still actually make enough so we can live here and provide for our families? Right. Well, you know, there's a wonderful thing happening in Hawaii right now, and it, it reminds me a little bit of what happened in the late '60s. There's a generational change that's been going on in Hawaii, and it's a, it's, it's, uh, I think it's quite spectacular. The reason it's so, it's so great, I think, is because the next generation coming up, both in business and in the nonprofit world, are much more sophisticated. Uh, in many cases, they're much brighter and more dedicated to to what they're trying to do, and they have a better understanding of what they're trying to do with regard to the con- building, for instance, of social capital, understanding that there are linkages that exist between what happens to a kid in Waianae and what happens to a kid in Makihi, um, that all of us are affected by that. Many of the today's generation have have gone away to school, and so they have a greater appreciation also not only of Hawaii, but Hawaii as it relates to how other people live in other parts of the country. Um, and that generational change, I think, involves also the uh, kind of baked-in notion of, of doing good as well as doing well. Um, that wasn't the case in, in, you know, in many generations before, and I think we're very fortunate in Hawaii to have a new generation of people that feel that way. Um, so I think it'll happen. Uh, I look around now and I see many more young people involved in the, in the um, in the accumulation of social capital or building of social capital than ever existed when I was your age. Uh, I also see, you know, in every older generation, there are always people who are willing to try to help make that transition. Um, and I I also see, uh, as a kind of little bit of a kudo to my generation more people willing to help the next generation um, move forward and beyond where they are. So I think it's going to happen. I mean, there are more young people involved in Hawaii in nonprofit activities today than I have ever seen in my 35 years of experience here. 
Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.